You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is the Palpably Unfair Podcast, episode 28, brought to you by the SB Nation NFL Show. I am your host, Michael Kist. And as always, I am joined by the awesome, amazing, outstanding Kyle Posey. Follow him on Twitter at KP underscore show. Kyle, how is a free agency treating you? How's it going? It's good, man. It's been busy. It's been fun. It's been entertaining. I feel like all of those words you cannot use in the same sentence when talking about the Eagles. What uh, <laughs> what's, the, what's these last couple of days been like for you? I mean, Howie Roseman went to like Home Depot and like he had enough time to get to Bed Bath and Beyond. So, you know, he's he's been very active during this free agency period. I mean, we knew that like the Eagles are so broke, they can't even do the Howie special, which is signing a four signing a free agent to a four year deal, but then having that first year cap hit be under five mil. They don't have four mil to spend, so they can't even do that. They can't they were looking at Josh Johnson, who eventually went to the Browns on a fantastic deal the safety from the Rams on a fantastic deal that I would have I loved. I would have jumped all over for the Eagles if they were able to make the financials work, but they're, they're just not in a position to do that. Like this, this is a total punt. They can't even push money forward. That's how they how broke they are today. So that's where the Eagles are at. That's your quick update there. Let's talk about your, your team because the, the 49ers made a big move and Trent Williams went super petty with it. The offensive tackle, uh, how do you how do you like the move from the 49ers here? Highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history at the age of 32. Right. He did not play in 2019. I, th- I think that's what makes it so amazing. Like he sat yeah. out after fighting, um, you know, fighting cancer, essentially. So <laughs> he didn't play, comes back as a 32 year old with a year off. Went four games without missing a block, consecutive games, and had, per Sports Info Solutions, had five other games where he only missed one block. So um, just as a player, you pay these guys. So I don't care. Like, I don't – whatever he wants. Give him a blank freaking check. Who cares, man? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was that good. I think the 40 – like, if they didn't bring back Trent Williams, it would have been a rebuild. There was no scenario where the 49ers are a better team in 2021 – without Trent Williams on their roster. So I love it. Um, they, they also added Alex Mack, the center from the Falcons. So right. uh, they don't have to rely on an AAF center who was starting last year. So that's another upgrade. Um, tough to be mad at the moves that they've made. Uh, they, they pretty much, before Trent Williams and Alex Mack, they had four, four quote-unquote starters that totaled $13 million for their 2021 cap hit. So no, no complaints here. Just need to figure out that quarterback situation. Yeah, exactly. And that's something that everyone is keeping an eye on. And we talk about quarterbacks a lot with uh, Mark Schofield in the second part of this show. So you're going to want to check out that interview as we talk about the Bears and all the sadness there. But going going into Trent, Trent Williams here, you, you mentioned he is the highest paid average per year offensive tackle in NFL history. David Bakhtiari makes an average of 23 mil even. Trent Williams makes an average of 23 million. 10,000. So he has designed the contract to be 
just beat out Bakhtiari for the most paid offensive tackle in the league for just 10 racks. That's it. And it's in the NFL. That's like a rounding error. It's right. so super petty. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And I, and I like your point. Him taking a year off, I feel like for somebody like him, like imagine if like a, a year ago, Tyron Smith took a year off and came back and got his body right and whatnot. And like all of a sudden, okay, cool. Like I'm all actually all for players taking a year off because it's such a grind. And you feel like, I, I feel like NFL players are always like trying to catch up and get healthy because there's so many things wrong with them. And as soon as you heal one thing, another thing happens and whatnot. So this could be really good for Trent Williams, could be really good for the for for the San Francisco 49ers. A, a team that, that I wanted to talk about here, that, that there was a trade that I just find absolutely fascinating for, for so many different reasons. And that trade is with Michael Brocker. So the Lions are trading a 2023 seventh round pick to the Rams in exchange for defensive tackle Michael Brockers. Here's the thing. When the Goff Stafford trade happened, Michael Brockers said that Matthew Stafford was a level up, quote unquote, from Jared Goff. <laughs> he then immediately gets traded to the Lions to play with the guy he said was a level down from Matt Stafford is absolutely brutal. But the other part of this, this is brutal for, for Michael Brockers, is the seventh rounder in 2023, Kyle. That it just, it just feels just the whole thing feels disrespectful and intentional. You have to man, just imagine getting that phone call saying, "Hey, man, you're <laughs> traded." All right, cool. Where am I going? Detroit. Yeah. Like, God damn it! Really? <laughs> what, what was the pick for? Uh. And then obviously you're going to try to change the subject so you don't right. have to tell him what he was traded for because he was traded for a 2023 seventh round pick, man. Why? Like yeah. that is the lowest of low. That's probably as what? I don't know how far in advance you can trade out, but that seems like the farthest right that we've seen. Um, I don't even think you could do that a couple years added. from now. <laughs> right. <laughs> 2023 seventh round pick that, I mean, it was obviously a cap, you know, cap situation. They were trying to right. s- shave some money. Um, the Rams and Lions continue their collusion. Let's call it what it is yeah. to, <laughs> to get under the cap. But I mean, let me ask you this. What yeah. would you rather be traded for than a 2023 seventh round pick? That's a, that's a tough question. And I think two things pop into my head. My, my first car, first ever car <laughs> that I, that I bought with my, my dishwashing job at a local pizza place when I was 15. How much was, did they cr- your car cost? I think I spent like $500 on it. That's like all I could afford. It was a 1984 Ford Pinto. Possibly the worst, like honestly, one of the worst cars made for the time when it was made was terrible. But that's all I could afford. That thing blew up on me on the highway on 275 within like the first 15 minutes. I mean, the thing was smoking. So I would rather than a seventh round 2023 pick, I'd rather be traded for a a 1984 Ford Pinto. I think the other thing that came to mind, I would rather be traded for – have you ever seen the movie The Road or read the book? I have not. So post-apocalyptic world, Viggo Mortensen and and his son are are wandering all over the place and whatnot. And they come across this this place and they find a a can of Coke. And this can of Coke must be like 15 years old, right? So like sure, it's carbonated and whatnot, but it's got to be like the most flat thing ever. I would rather be traded for that can – 
15 years down the line in modern times, right? Like if I had a choice of like, <laughs> you can have a, a Coke that was made like a month ago, or you can have this Coke from 15 years in the future that's totally flat. I would rather be traded for that can of Coke than a seventh round 2023 pick. Is there anything that comes to mind for you that you would rather be traded for? I mean, I don't think I'll ever top that car <laughs> being blown up on a highway story, but I was just thinking low, disrespectful. So like a Wendy's four for four, um, it's like a one year subscription to whatever, like whatever writing service people are subscribing to. Yeah. Like there's, there are so many things that we could say, but I mean, it, it just speaks to the point of wow, like Brockers, it, who is not a bad player by any means, but this tells you the NFL, they can just they can pretty much do whatever they want to when it comes to manipulating the salary cap. Yeah, I agree. All right, so let, let's get into a couple other signings that we've seen here. I really like this one for Washington, and me and Mark are going to talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick and the implications there. But one of one of my favorite deals, along with the Josh Johnson one, uh, Washington signs former Bengals cornerback William Jackson III on a three-year $42 million deal. That's like high-end CB2 money. And I feel like he's a legitimate CB1 that's just been kind of hidden on the Bengals. Would, would you agree with that, Kyle? Absolutely. I think he's one of the better cover corners in the NFL. I, I just, I mean, he plays for the Bengals, so not a lot of people realize that. But he was very productive last season, and he had his best season yet, which is a good sign for a guy who's 28. You know, he's going to get this next contract. And I think in Washington, for what Washington asked their cornerbacks to do, he's going to be great. So ball production is there, 10 pass breakups, one interception. He allowed 7.1 yards per target, and he just didn't give up much. And I think that goes, that's going to be very valuable for Washington he's also just a good tackler aggressive player so yeah nothing bad to say about William Jackson if anything surprised that he lasted this long because I think Mm. as you mentioned he has a chance to be a CB1 type of player looking at some other moves across the league and I I agree with you there on Jackson but the New York Giants uh, Nate Solder the tackle has signed a new contract will return to the Giants in 2021 that gives them some some tackle some tackle depth some some optionality there with the uh, rookie Andrew Thomas who had a very volatile first season one of the worst tackles in the league for a while, but then bounced back and then had a bit of regression. There's Matt Parrott, who I thought played well in, in limited time there as well. So the uh, the Giants are adding to their tackle depth uh, just by keeping Nate Solder, essentially. Uh, another move, the Dolphins are signing former Patriots defensive tackle Adam Butler to a two-year deal. Uh, I think it's two years, and then it's up to 9.5 mil. There's another move inside your division, Kyle, the Seahawks. Akello Weatherspoon, one year, four, four million fully guaranteed. Are you worried about that at all? What do you think about Akello's game? The 49ers fans think that they'll be able to pick on him, but they only remember, you only remember one play when a player is beaten, especially a quarterback. Right. So I think he's gr- like a really, really good player. I think he's one of the most talented cornerbacks in the NFC. It's really just about whether his mental is right, because when he's locked in, like he was shutting down the best receivers in the NFL, especially towards the end of the year last season. So I think it's a great get for the Seattle. And their two starting cornerbacks are going to be two guys that the 49ers released, essentially. So that's right. pretty funny. But yeah, Witherspoon's a stud, man. As we look at like the rest of free agency, I think the big thing that stands out to me, and, and me and Mark get a little bit into this, but like you, you look at what is left and like the premier players are at the wide receiver position. It's Kenny Galladay from the Detroit Lions. It's Juju Smith-Schuster from, from the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's Curtis Samuel from the Panthers. These guys are still all out there. And that might be a product of the fact that it's such, again, it is such a strong wide receiver class loaded at the top end and throughout the draft with talent. And I do think, I mean, the reason 
Galladay isn't with the Lions is because he turned down a huge deal with them. He wants a lot of money, and I think he's pricing himself out of the market. Juju Smith-Schuster, I'm wondering your thoughts on him because I think the opinions vary on him. But from what we thought he was going to be a couple years ago when he had that just like a gigantic year, I mean, I, I watched the film. I did a full scouting report on, on him, and I wasn't as impressed as the numbers would say. And I think that's bore itself out over time. And considering his age, he hasn't really developed his game in any meaningful way. And I understand the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh has been up and down. But to me, this is an an average outside starter. And a, and a plus, you know, a slightly above replacement level slot type of guy. But I think he's looking for like really good wide receiver, but one money. And I don't think it's out there for him. I don't think that he's a wide receiver. And I agree with a lot of what you said. When I watched Juju, I just struggled to come away with what his value is. Because if we just watched Pittsburgh's offense last year, who are their top two targets? You're not going to say Juju. And I feel like that's pretty objective when you mention that. So, yeah, he hasn't really changed his game from that 2018 season. And, yes, the quarterback is a problem. Like, Big Ben cannot throw the ball further than seven yards without having to put loft on it. But that doesn't take away from Juju being able to get open. So, is he going – like, is that his value? Is it a plus slot receiver? If that's the case, he's not going to get paid like he thinks he is. And you mentioned the wide receivers in the draft class. That's not going to change anytime soon based on the last couple of years. Like, these guys okay. are coming in ready to play and ready yeah. to produce, and they're producing at a high level. So, if that's the case, why would you pay Juju when you can go get a cost-controlled rookie in the second or third round – for four years it just it's uh it sucks for the receivers in free agency right now but that's just kind of the game and it's probably not going to change anytime soon look i mean juju should just realize maybe you're not going to get that much money in football but like social media yeah. and like streaming and stuff like that like that could be your forte i mean you could be a millionaire doing that look at nick burtz and tim the tat man and and all those dudes making tons of money they'd love to have him in that community and i, and I do think it's weird the conversation that that surrounds juju as being some sort of distraction like the guy just makes TikToks. Like who who cares? Right. Like <laughs> he's not he's not beating women that we know of. Like he's not doing anything like incredibly nefarious. This guy's just a he's just a kind of a wacky dude that has fun on social media. Who cares? I still think he's just an average football player. I think that's what where my biggest hang up is. It's not with his personality, it's with his potential production. Anyway, Kyle, any any other thoughts on free agency before we kick into this interview with uh with Mark Schofield? No, Juju's a 24-year-old with a hobby, man. That's that's what he is. Like, who cares? Like, he he likes to dance. Oh no! But uh, I mean, it, it. I imagine we're not done seeing the the Patriots and the Fort, uh the Patriots and the Dolphins continue to trade players. Uh, like David Andrews, the Patriots center is a free agent. He just said that last night. The Patriots signed Dolphins center, who was with the Patriots for the three years mm. before Ted Karras. So I actually think they upgraded there. But other than that, nah. Nope, just ready to see the, these wide receiver dominoes drop and if, if we see any movement on the quarterback front. So after the break, we'll kick it to the interview with Mark Schofield where we're going to talk about the Deshaun Watson of it all, the Russell Wilson of it all, what the hell are the Bears thinking and or doing at any moment in time. So we'll get into all of that. Make sure that you're subscribed, rating, reviewing, all of that good stuff. Kyle's going to bounce out of here, but I'll be back on the other side of the break right after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
Questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG pod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mark, welcome back to the SB Nation NFL show. It is good to see your shining face this morning. How are you doing, brother? Is it good, Michael? Is yeah. it good to see my shine? No, from my vantage point, though, I get to see the beautiful, pristine Lego Coliseum in the backdrop <laughs> behind you, which is, I got to say, it's absolutely gorgeous. It looks like it was worth every cent. And I hope you and your lovely wife got the pleasure out of building it that it seemed like you guys did when you were sharing some photos of it. Yeah, process. absolutely. That that was my free agency spending spree was this right. $600 Lego Coliseum. Some other teams spent more freely in free agency yeah, and yeah. we're going to we're going to talk about the New England Patriots in a little bit because you do cover them for Pat's pulpit, but this was a topic heavily discussed on the Oddcast yesterday with Brandon Lee Gouton and Rob Stats Carrera. So what we'll do first is we'll talk quarterbacks cuz Mark Schofield is basically our our resident quarterback expert. QB1 in our hearts, in our minds, as I've said many times in the past. So we're going to go over kind of these new situations popping up around the league, these new realities, like what do you what are you saddled with for a quarterback? I mean, I think that's the case with the Chicago Bears, who apparently after some clandestine was the word used, some clandestine meetings between Ryan Pace and the, and the Seahawks, they, they, there some offers were made. Nothing nothing moved, and the Seahawks finally decided yesterday. It wasn't until yesterday, reports are saying, that they decided that a trade for Russell Wilson was not on the table. And therefore, the Chicago Bears signed Andy Dalton. I mean, what, what a letdown. One year, 10 mil, by the way. But what a massive letdown. You go from st- primo steak. You go from a steakhouse. Right over to not even Taco Bell, maybe Del Taco. You yeah. can't even get you can't even get the top notch fast food taco spot. Maybe I'm throwing a, a hot taco take out there. I don't know. I like Del Taco, but Mark, your thoughts on the quarterback purgatory? And and I and I said this last week with Kyle Posey. I said when Allen Robinson signed, and later on he was criticized because he kind of picked his quarterback. How could he possibly know that four to five years later? The Chicago Bears would be in this situation like that's not on him. That is on the executive GM of the year, former anyway, Ryan Pace. Mark, your thoughts. Michael Wilbon of ESPN, noted Chicago guy, Bears fan. He was on part of the interruption yesterday. I watched this clip last night and had a two-minute just absolutely beautiful rant about how Pace <laughs> and Nagy – like he didn't use the phrase drawn and quartered, um, but it was implied. It was heavily yeah. implied. Um, yeah, I – when you set your fan base up, and maybe this is on him because he wasn't out there saying, yeah, we're going to go get Russell Wilson. But when that's the expectation you put in the mind of the fan base and then you come back with, can I interest you in Andy Dalton? 
Like, <laughs> is Andy Dalton an upgrade on Mitchell Trubisky? Yeah, I think we could say that. But is how much of an upgrade? Like, can he run the offense? Yes. Can he throw with time and rhythm and, and anticipation? Yes. Is that an improvement from Mitchell Trubisky? Yes. Is it enough to, like, get them over the hump? I don't think so. Like, mm. you mentioned the phrase quarterback purgatory. Andy Dalton is the reason that phrase exists, right? Like, we started using that way to describe a quarterback situation with the Cincinnati Bengals and Andy Dalton, i.e. quarterback purgatory is you've got a guy and he's probably better than most, not as great as the guys that really get teams to the promised land, but you're afraid of what else is out there if you let this guy go. So you just ride it out. And that's where the Bears are right now. Is this enough to save Ryan Pace's job? Probably not. Can they swing another move? Probably not. They don't have a ton of cap space. They're picking 20th in the draft. I mean, they're not going to be able to get up and get a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields or a Zach Wilson. So they're going to ride this out. The bigger thing, though, might be who's he going to throw to? Right. Like, you know, you're seeing that they're shopping Anthony Miller. You know, this is a great wide receiver class. Like, they might be able to draft a Kadarius Tony at a 20 or something like that. Or Rashad Bateman might fall to 20. So they might get a receiver in the draft. Um but this, it's a letdown. Um, yes, he's an improvement over Russ Mitchell Trubisky. Yes, he can get the ball out when it's supposed to be out. So you might get a little bit more yardage after the catch. And this is an offense that is predicated and built upon yardage after the catch. Mitchell Trubisky, one of his biggest failings as a quarterback was when you're throwing a curl route against off coverage and there's a three-yard window of separation when the receiver's getting into and out of his break, the ball better be there. But it wasn't. And so Allen Robinson's three yards of separation off the break became a half a yard by the time the ball got there. And you can't get yardage after the catch unless you're Superman in that kind of situation. Dalton will be able to maximize those moments. So, yeah, the offense might be slightly better. But, yeah, it's a letdown. And like we joked before the podcast, imagine being like the social media people. With the Chicago Bears. We're going to like tease that one out today. That's that. Yeah. How are you going to do that? The hype video for yeah. Andy Dalton walking to the building, signing the contract and whatnot. Seriously, getting all the private plane with the backpack, <laughs> and, you know, the family by the side. Like, that's a tough sell. You're going to yeah. need some real, like, heavy West Wayne-style trumpet blaring <laughs> instrumental music to make that one look good. They need a minister of propaganda is, is what they yes, need. Yes, they do. They do. <laughs> and you mentioned Alan Robinson as, like, that's, like, the guy to throw to. He's on a tag. Allen Robinson is the only one that holds any kind of value in a potential trade that could get them to a quarterback. So even if you get them to a quarterback with an Allen Robinson trade, now you have literally nobody left on that offense, especially if you're if you're shipping Anthony Miller too. So yeah, I mean, are you going to throw to Nick Foles? Are you are you going to like line him up in the slot? Like what? Worked what else? You worked worked in the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, obviously, but I don't know if he could do it fifteen times a game. I well, mean, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. I mean, Matt Nagy better have some aces up those sleeves, man, because, you know, the BU on the play call sheet that he always has at the bottom of it, I don't know if that's going to be enough this season. Yeah, and how, it's it's crazy to me, too, that the Seahawks took until yesterday to decide that they weren't going to trade Russell, Russell Wilson, and apparently there were multiple first-round picks on the table. Mark, if you're if you're an NFL franchise, and we can throw Deshaun Watson to this, too, do you ever let go of a of a quality quarterback like a Russell Wilson, like a Deshaun Watson, ever? No. No. I mean, look at the conversation that has driven this offseason already. It is quarterback movement, right? It is all these teams 
trying to get the quarterback. Well, you know, it, it's the Family Guy mystery box reference, right? right? Like, elite quarterback is great, but a mystery box, that's even better. It could yeah. be an elite quarterback. Well, you've got the guy. Like, don't let him out the building. Now, if you've severed the relationship to the point where that person is like, I would rather sit out and watch the season than come play for you and put that uniform on again. Well, you might not have a choice because if you're, say, Houston right now, right, and Deshaun Watson has made it clear in no uncertain terms, both from him, from his, you know, Quincy Avery, his private quarterback coach, like tweeting out what's a guy got to do to get traded around here, (laughs) like you're losing leverage by the day. Because you're seeing now the Chicago Bears, all right, fine, we'll settle for Andy Dalton. Other teams are starting to settle. Other teams are stacking their horizontal and vertical boards. You're losing potential trade partners. And so you have to you know, make a move. So if you're forced to because you have destroyed and obliterated the relationship, then yeah, I guess you trade that player. But absent that, you do everything you can to make that player happy and keep them in the fold, whether it's roster construction, whether it's scheme, whether it's coaching hires. Coaching hires was perhaps one of the reasons with Deshaun Watson in the Houston situation because he was pushing for Eric Bieniemy. He had Patrick Mahomes telling him, look, man, you you got to get this guy as your head coach. Like He's fantastic. And they went in a bit of a different direction. Um, now, obviously, look, there's a intrigue and power situation played out with the Houston ownership and Jack Easterbay, who apparently is the driving force behind a lot of this. Um, but yeah, absent a situation like that, you do everything you can to make that player happy and keep them in the fold. Quarterbacks are realizing the power that they have right now. You know, quarterbacks are looking at Aaron Rodgers this past season and a Matt LaFleur offense and what that has done for him. Had the best season of his recent career. MVP candidate, mm. won the MVP. Like, I, There's a reason why Deshaun Watson is saying, hey, I'd love to go play in San Francisco. It's yeah. for that offense. He's looking at what Rodgers did and thinking, man, what will that do for me? So, yeah, quarterbacks are realizing the power they have. You got to keep them happy. If not, you might have to trade them and get guys like Andy Dalton in return. And speaking of Deshaun Watson, I understand that we're, we're kind of, we recognize that there's a story out there that he has been sued for sexual assault. He has denied the allegations. I have no clue what is going on with that. Beyond that, we are going to stick with our expertise. I am not a lawyer. Mark used to be a lawyer. And Mark has advised me not to dig too deeply into this topic on the air. (laughs) No, I mean, I have yet to see the actual lawsuit that has been filed. You know, the allegations that are out there, the lawyer put them out there in an Instagram post. Uh, Deshaun Watson has denied them. I do know that this lawyer used to own a tank. We talked about this last night, Mike. He owned a World War II tank that he parked on his front lawn, (laughs) which it's a a bit of an upgrade from the Lego Coliseum that's behind Mike right now. Um, But that's fascinating. I am fascinated by this man. Um, But as far as the allegations, obviously there is a legal situation that will play itself out. I do want to remind people, I'm seeing a lot of this about innocent and proven guilty and things like that. It's a civil lawsuit. The standards are different. You know, in, in in a criminal case, you know, it's beyond a reasonable doubt. The standard is much lower in a civil lawsuit. It's usually what we call a preponderance of the evidence, which if beyond a reasonable doubt is, doubt is like 99% to one, preponderance of the evidence, and I used to make this argument because I was a civil attorney, it's like 51 49. So, mm. so the standard is different. So do keep that in mind. But obviously, look, these parties are entitled to their day in court. 
the lawsuit will play itself out and we await the resolution of that. This is exactly why you're a quarterback expert and you're a legal expert. So I don't have to get myself into trouble. No, talking I don't about want, I, I don't want you know, wait, you are the executive producer. So I don't want you having to like fire yourself or something or like give yourself a little dock and pay. You know, we don't want that situation. <laughs> I appreciate you, man. Let's move on to something that I'm absolutely terrified about. It is okay. Ryan Fitzpatrick with the Washington football team. It's a uh, one year, $10 million deal. Look, like, if you look at this offense, and right now, like, there's, like, we're in tier two, tier tier three phase of free agency. There is one remaining tier one free agent out there, in my opinion, that is Kenny Galladay. If you were to put this guy on Washington, with somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is not scared at all to see single high safety, take three steps, and just chuck it, let his wide receiver make a play. Like, that is what he made his career on. I know this as an Eagles fan, too, in the last two games against the Eagles, by the way, the division that he's going to, he's thrown for almost 800 yards in those two game combines, over 10 yards per attempt in those two games combined, seven touchdowns. He torched the Philadelphia Eagles, both times with Tampa Bay and with the Miami Dolphins, which actually like earned Devontae Parker a new contract on like that game alone. So he can thank Ronald Darby and, and, and all that for them. But Washington is doing some things. Last year, they were a dangerous team, and and a lot of people were saying if they get some quality quarterback play, and Alex Smith provided some of that uh, throughout the year, made them a playoff team, and they gave the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, fits in with Taylor Heineke. Heineke. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick, obviously a very volatile quarterback. That's his style of play. I love him. He's tough as nails. He's indestructible. I like what he's going to bring to this Washington team. Should I be afraid of Fitzpatrick in the East? I think you should be. Um, you know, Doug Ferrar and I are great in all the free agent signings over at Touchdown Wire USA today, and I gave this an A. I might have even given it an A plus. Like, I absolutely love it um, for two reasons. One, like you mentioned, Washington they won the division seven and nine, um, but their defense was their strength, particularly in the defensive front. Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat, like they can get after you. They just needed like stability at the quarterback position, not great quarterback play, just like stable quarterback play because they were bouncing between Kyle Allen and Dwayne Haskins and Alex Smith and then Tanner Heineke in the playoff game. Who, by the way, I liked coming out of Old Dominion, like mm. intriguing quarterback. Um, but now they get somebody in Fitzpatrick that can like just provide some stability and he might go out there and throw two picks one game, but he'll come back the next game and throw three touchdowns and drop 400 yards on your head. Like <laughs> yeah. he's that kind of guy. And like you mentioned, no fear, doesn't play scared. If he sees single high coverage, he's going to take a shot. Imagine what that team could look like with Terry McLaurin on one side, Scary Terry. Like you mentioned, Galladay on the other side. Logan Thomas in the middle of the field. Maybe they add a receiver in the second round, like Elijah Moore from Mississippi. Like, right. Suddenly, you've got like an 11 personnel group and that can do some damage, but they still won't have to because they still got that great defensive front. So you should be scared of this team. The other thing to mention with Fitzpatrick is – He's expected to be the starting quarterback, and I have no reason to think he wouldn't be. But let's say Taylor Heidi comes in and like blows the doors off, and suddenly Ron Rivera is like, I'm going to start this guy. The one thing that Fitzpatrick has shown, in addition to everything we've talked about, is he's willing to be that mentor type of veteran sideline presence. Like, you know, he's talked about that with what he did with Tua. Tua spoke extremely highly of how Ryan Fitzpatrick sort of handled the situation. Remember, Fitzpatrick got benched last year for Tua and was seemingly fine with it. Like he's a competitor, obviously wants to be on the field, but he didn't like go and sulk in the corner. Like we've seen some other veteran quarterbacks do like he was helpful. He mentored Tua and when he was called upon 
stepped in and played phenomenally. I mean, remember that Saturday night game against the Raiders? Every time Ryan Fitzpatrick comes up, I love it because I get to quote tweet your video of him (laughs) getting his face ripped off and throwing the Raiders out of the playoffs because he could do it without like a ton of practice time. Yeah. Like he's a veteran quarterback. And under the CBA rules, like you don't have time to get the backup ready. So if he is in that backup situation, you don't have to worry about him because you don't have to get him ready. Like if, you know, Heineke goes down or if he's ineffective or whatever the situation, he could step in and sling two touchdowns in the second quarter or the second half and you'll win a game because of it. So he, he's a fantastic sign for Washington. I absolutely love it. You know, go get Galladay if you can. If not, you know, Curtis Samuel and the draft over Rashad Bateman at 19, right. like, Washington could be very dangerous next year. Yep, and understanding if Galladay gets gets signed in the time from when we record this at at ten fifteen a.m. right uh, to when this is released, just disregard that. But even yeah, without yeah. Galladay, I'm I'm still like looking at Washington and saying they can win in the trenches on defense, like one of the best defensive fronts yep. in the NFL. They just added, which me and Kyle Posey talked about. They just added William Jackson the third the the for CB two money. When I think he's a, a CB one. Yeah. For CB2 money. Like, this is going to be a very good defense. Um, they're at 19, so they were out of the range of getting a quarterback, similar to the Chicago discussion. So they got Ryan Fitzpatrick, they got Heineke. Now they can address 19, you know, best player available, perhaps, whether right. it's a receiver like we've talked about. Maybe Micah Parsons slides. Mm. Like, you know, Ron Rivera would love to get a linebacker with that athleticism, so you could go that way. You know, you could look at perhaps tackle. Like, they could go in a number of different directions in 19. They're not hemmed into trying to force, say, a Mac Jones if he's there. I, I just love this move for Washington. Yeah, you're right. They do need to fill that Kevin Pierre Lewis uh, role as, as he departed and went elsewhere. Let's let's move on to the next quarterback situation that could be impacted by this. And we'll roll through these uh, next two. Jacoby Brissett. Was with the Colts last year, now with the Miami Dolphins on a one-year contract worth up to, I think it's uh, 7.5 mil, something like that. Uh, Look, what week does Jacoby start over the bench to a Tagovailoa? I don't know. We've seen those pictures of Tua working out. I mean, he's get he's got arm day checked. Um, Yeah, exactly. a, A lot of it depends on... You know, I still come back to. Him. I know Watson wants to go to Denver, or San Francisco, but I, 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 I look at what Miami has accumulated in terms of draft capital, right? And if you're the Texans, if you're you know Nick Cassiero, like you're looking at three and eighteen overall in the first round of this draft, that will be tough to turn down. Um, as much as Watson might want to go elsewhere. So I still keep coming back to the idea of Watson going to Miami. If that doesn't happen, and Miami goes into the season with Tua and Brissett. Week three, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, getting some Trubisky vibes. Remember, we set the over under last year. Um, and if you hit the under, you were smart and you cashed in. Um, two is going to have to take a big step forward. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think there's any denying that. You know, I, I, did he show flashes? Yes. Glimpses? Yes. Was it enough? Absolutely not. Cause it led to Ryan Fitzpatrick coming back. Um, is Brissett the answer long term? No. Um, I, I think there are some things that he could do. There are some areas where he struggles. I think he's more of a vertical passer than a West Coast precision, quick strike, quick decision, quick processing kind of guy. And that's kind of where Tua is. So the the overlap is weird. Um, but I think there's – similar to Fitzpatrick, there have been moments when like Brissett sort of came in and like took control of a situation 
if you think back to the last time the Colts made the playoffs, well, before this season, you know, even though he was the backup, like he was sort of a leader in that locker room, you know, strong presence, um, commands the respect of the people around him, which would be nice to have. Um, but I do think that you might see him sooner rather than later if Tua is indeed the week one starter. Let's go through this last one quickly because I'm going to get your thoughts on the oh Patriots. Boy. But oh boy. who is who is starting for the Saints week one? Is it Jameis Winston, who the Saints just brought back on a cheap deal uh, worth uh, one year, 5.5 mil? Or is it Taysom Hill, who the Saints restructured into a crazy type of deal that really only means one year, 12 mil guaranteed, even though it's like looks like four years, 120 mil. It's a, it's a weird one. What are, you, what are your thoughts there, Mark? I mean, I think Jameis wins the job, um, but that – and, you know, this might be the most fascinating sort of quarterback battle we're going to see in camp this offseason, this preseason, because, you know, we've seen, t- you know, Sean Payton sort of force Taysom Hill on us. You know, it's like that scene from The Office with Michael forcing Kevin to eat broccoli. You know, <laughs> and, and we're in the football media world. We're all Kevin like, no, I don't want to eat that. No, it's third and three. We're putting Taysom Hill in the game and taking sure. Drew Brees off the field. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Sean Payton's doing to all of us. And he made it work when Breeze went down. Like, Taysom Hill, like, looked like a serviceable NFL quarterback. Like, I don't think he was, like, blowing the doors off or anything, but he was a serviceable NFL quarterback. And he hasn't thrown 30 interceptions in a season, whereas Jameis Winston obviously has. Mm. But I do think that when it comes to, you know, playing the quarterback position, like, Taysom Hill is an athlete who can take snaps. You know, he's tweeter. Whereas Jameis Winston, like, knows the game, knows the position. People have probably seen that clip of him working through reads with, you know, uh, another quarterback, like, talking about where your eyes go, what you're reading, what you're looking at versus different coverages. It's the sort of mind-arm connection. When you look back at the 30 interceptions he threw, I know Trevor Sikama, um, you know, handsomest man in the world, yeah. did a full 30 interception breakdown of all of those throws. You can find that back when he was with Pewter Report. Um, a lot of them were just, he knew where to go with the ball, and it wasn't like the decision was slow. It was from decision to getting the ball out, like a pick six that he threw against Atlanta. It was like, stick, he knew exactly where to go, but the ball just came out late. Like, if he can... It's not so much processing speed as it is play speed, right? He just has to play faster. And maybe that's a function of like not trusting things or maybe there is a little bit of processing speed there. But I really think it's just a play speed thing. Can he speed himself up? The one thing in Peyton's offense, like it does sort of give you the opportunity with, you know, weak side halfback option and all that stuff to sort of artificially speed things up for the quarterback. So I do think that Winston has the edge there, but that will be a fascinating battle to see play out. All right. Now it's time. For Mark's take on this whole uh, New England Patriots offseason, let's run down the list here. They signed former Titans tight end Jonu Smith. They signed former Chargers tight end Hunter Henry. Also on offense, Nelson Aguilar, a player near and dear to my heart at 13 mil per year. They signed Kendrick Bourne, a wide receiver from the 49ers that I actually like low-key really kind of like. They also get Trent Brown, the offensive tackle from the Raiders on the defensive side of the ball. Matt Judon on a big deal, the edge rusher out of the out of the uh, the Ravens. Uh, they signed the Eagles, Jalen Mills for a contract that blew my freaking mind at the time. But who knows? They'll probably be able to hide him pretty well. Uh, Devon uh, Godshaw, Godshaw. I'm sure I'm butchering that name. The defensive tackle out of Miami, who I thought was pretty decent. Uh, they also get Dietrich Wise Jr. from the 49ers. 
they get or no, not from the 49ers, from somewhere else. I forget where he was playing. That they no, they just resigned him. He was with the Patriots. Yep. I know yep. what I'm talking about. You do. Also, Henry Anderson, the defensive end, and then the cornerback Justin Bethel, the special teams demon, uh, really, which is all he's pretty much uh good for, maybe as your CB five. So there's a lot there. And I think what this comes down to, and look. You never want to be the winner in free agency in terms of money spent, but that's exactly what the Patriots did. It's not necessarily a, a, a formula for success, but I think when you when you look at it, at least from from my point of view, the way I see it is, well, the Patriots were absolutely unwatchable last year on offense, right? Only like 20 points a game, just were not fun, had no juice, had no weapons. There was no way that offense was working. Cam could have played a lot better, and I don't think it would have mattered a whole lot more. But when you look at what they are doing, the league is going lighter on offense in terms of personnel. It looks like the Patriots are going to go super heavy. And if you want to leave your light guys on the field, cool, we're going to run the ball, right? That, that just, just what they did you know, in the playoffs a couple of years ago. If you want to put a bunch of linebackers on the field, we are going to make those linebackers cover. And there are not a lot of linebackers in the NFL that can cover the likes of Jonah Smith, Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, so you know Kendrick Bourne, so on and so forth. So it's kind of a pick your poison, and the Patriots are saying, okay, this is what we're going to be. How are you going to answer it? And however you answer it dictates what we're going to do with our offense. Is is that an accurate feel of the situation, Mark? I think that's exactly accurate, Michael. Uh, you know, a lot of people, myself included, brought up the like Aaron Hernandez, Rob Gronkowski days, right? Right. You know, one of the things that they did back then was they would force you to you know pick your poison as a defense. They would put that 12 personnel package out there with the two of them, Danny Woodhead as a single running back, and say, what are you going to do? And if a team came out and played, you know, with their nickel or dime packages, expecting them to throw the ball, they would, like you said, they would run it. You know, they would sometimes line up Hernandez as a fullback and right. run behind him. Um, but then if you came with base, they would spread you out, go five wide and throw it. And they would do that using tempo. They would go no huddle. Or like, you know, one of those quick huddle approaches, those mush huddles where you can't really substitute. Yeah. So you're stuck. Like, they would love to do that. And I, I do think that this is in a nod towards that because that's where they want to be. They want to be able to sort of create those matchups. Something else that, you know, I was talking with Doug Farrar and Chris Brown earlier today about how they can now go sort of like like that Y ISO look where you've got, say, Smith or Henry, and then you've got the running back, perhaps James White, who is a free agent. I'm sure they'd love to have him back to one side. And then you put like either Bourne or Aguilar as the three to the trips to the other side. The Chiefs love to do that with Kelsey, mm -hmm. with the running back, with Tyree Kill as the inside guy in the trips. And force you, okay – are you going to double these guys? Are you going right. to play brackets and cones on those two guys? Good. Then we've got, you know, our running back one on one against a linebacker on that option route, which we know the Patriots love to throw. And so I, I think this is a nod to that. This might be a nod to sort of everybody's getting lighter and faster. We're going to go bigger and heavier. If you're going to insist on drafted safeties to play linebacker in that hybrid role, well, now we're going to run 12 personnel at you. We're just going to run, you know, ISO and lead at you. Like, good luck with that. And so I do think this might be a bit of Belichick trying to zig while everybody else is zagging. The issue, though, is twofold. One, like you said, there are the, the NFL cemetery, NFL cemeteries are filled with teams that won free agency, right. hung the banner, and went seven and nine, right. or five and 11. Like, it's often not a recipe for success. Now, Patriots fans are clinging to, well, this is Belichick. This is different. He's had a plan. Like, that roster was just devoid of talent at wide receiver and a tight end. They filled those needs. You know, they had money to spend, so they're spending them. Okay, so maybe it does work. But if it's going to work, the quarterback position is still a huge question mark. Um, 
Is this offense set up for Cam Newton? I don't think it's set up designed just specifically for Cam. Right. I think this offense is set up for, let's put talent around the quarterback and whoever it is, they should be able to make this work. Now, is that going to be Cam? Perhaps. Is that going to be a trade we see today? Perhaps. Could Jimmy Garoppolo come back? Perhaps. Right. Is Belichick primed to go up and get a guy? Like, could you imagine Trey Lance in this offense? Right. It would be so similar to what he was running at North Dakota State, where it's like, if the tight end is open, great. Otherwise, just run it, man. Like, you're good enough to do that. Um, so they've given themselves some options. Not all of this spending won't work if they don't have the quarterback to run this offense. And and maybe last year truly was worst case scenario with Cam, signing late, COVID, all that stuff. Or maybe it wasn't, and they're going to have to figure out another answer. So that part is still unsettled. Could it work? Yes. Will it? Eh, maybe. I, th- I think with the, the talent that they brought in, I, I, I don't want to say it's quarterback agnostic because I think that gives the false impression of right. like this offense will work anyway. What I'm saying yeah. is the offense with the talent that they have and what they want to do it can look different from quarterback to quarterback. It'll look yeah. different with a Cam Newton or a Trey Lance back there because you've got that running component too that you can that you can do with your quarterback. It'll look different if Jimmy G is back there, but it's just a different style. It's going to be yeah. essentially the same philosophy, and I think a key part of that, you know, get and look, I have a I have a rocky relationship with Nelson Aguilar, but you need that guy that can take the top off. Nelson Aguilar has no absence of deep speed whatsoever. This guy is a is a serious deep threat if he can just hang on to the ball, right? He had a career year with the Las Vegas Raiders, yeah. had almost 900 yards. He had his uh, tied his career high in in touchdowns with eight. He was a, a big playmaker, also maddeningly inconsistent, a drop rate yeah. of like 15%. So he's going to give you those moments. But the point is, stretch the field. Make them decide if they're going to go one, one-on-one on the outside while you go heavy on the inside. Are you going to bring a safety over because you're just making that box lighter for us? So I think that's a key component to it. Whether it's Nelson Aguilar or somebody else that runs a 4-3, I think you need that to be able to set up the rest. Let Hunter Henry, let Jonu Smith, let these other guys work the middle of the field and do so with uh, with less safeties uh, hanging around there. Mark, any last thoughts before we get out of here on the SB Nation uh, NFL show with this free agent, wacky free agency I mean, period? It has been a wacky free agency period. I'm I'm just fascinated with Galladay's situation. Mm. Um, sort of pulling it back and looking league wide because this wide receiver market it is it is probably a function of the receiver class that's coming in. It is good. It is deep. Like you might see, you know, I think you know our our, our good friend Ben Solak pointed out, you might see thirty wide receivers in days one and two. Yeah, like, it's an extremely talented group. Juju's um, still out there too. I mean, it's Galladay yeah, energy depending there. on how you feel about him. Curtis Samuel is still out there. Right. Like, like there's talent to be had. It's just the market isn't quite what they thought, perhaps because of the guys coming in. So uh, I'm very fascinated to see where they end up. I know Indianapolis might be, you know, thinking about a receiver. Miami might be thinking about a receiver to help. I guess Jacoby Brissett, who knows? Um, but, you know, <laughs> a fascinating start to this, to this sort of free agency period. Um, Belichick might seem to have a plan. Who knows if it works or not? But as far as Bears fans, Mike and I have been, we've been telling you guys for a while. We're sorry. <laughs> and if you know a Bears fan, maybe you can't hug them because, yes, we're still sort of distancing and all that stuff. But, you know, Venmo them some some beer money, some wine money, you know, because they're going through it right now. They're, they're, they're having a tough moment. And look out for the Bears fans around you. That's a that's a nice note to end on, Mark. To close this thing out, let the let the gentle listeners know where they can find you, where they can find all of your excellent work. I know you're doing a ton of stuff. Pat's pulpit, touchdown wireman, plug away. Well, 
Michael, it's always great to see you, my friend. Um, you can find me on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. Um, like you said, USA Today's Touchdown Wire, uh, three different SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, where I kick around from time to time. And, of course, Pat's Pulpit, where I do some work over there and host the Sco Show. Um, we will have an episode up Thursday. We do Mock Draft Mondays. So we had that on Monday. Um, we'll have a free agency sort of recap um, tomorrow. Until then, friends, uh, stay safe. Go dominate. Have yourselves yeah. a day. Have yourselves a day.